Good to see you. Uh, since they said it's okay to say Happy New Year's over and over again, Happy New Year's over and over again. Glad you're here. Um, one other announcement, and then we'll, we'll jump into the message. Uh, Wednesday, the 11th, so this coming Wednesday, Masterworks meets, and that is um, a group of people. If you are a business owner, um, a decision maker, an influencer, um, perhaps wanting to do those things or a part of those things, Masterworks is a way for you to connect with other believers who, um, who see what they're doing as not just a method to make money. They see Matthew 6.33 as the ultimate goal. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then all these things will be added unto you. And I think sometimes we get that backwards. We're trying to seek all the other things, and then after we get that, we'll go after God. And his formula is seek me, and I'll give you everything that you want and that you need. And so that's the message. I'm teaching it. Uh, this coming Wednesday, 7.30. It's in classroom one, which is on the west side of the building. You'd park over there. It lasts one hour. It's a light breakfast and coffee. Uh, if you've been, uh, welcome back. Love to have you there. If you haven't been, want to invite you. We're also launching out of that um, a group that will... I'll give more information there, but if you're looking for a way, not just to talk about those things, but even what Jonathan said with perspectives, do you have a plan to grow what you're doing this year, to move into what you're doing this year. So many times we have good intentions, but never a plan that gets us there. So Wednesday, we're going to launch a group that will help to do that. And uh, if you'd like to, be there, and we'll talk more about that. Okay, uh, it's been mentioned, we start a new service today, a new uh, series today called Worship. And I, I, writing it, I've been gathering material now for a couple of months. Where did I want to go with it? Um, and I really feel like the Lord showed me a strategy from the word that I hadn't seen before. It goes back to what I was saying when I gave the word from Proverbs 31. There's treasure in scripture. The Bible says uh, it's the delight of uh, the king to, to hide things, and it is our joy to be able to seek out those things and find the treasure that God has for us. And so when we get our hearts in that place where we're looking for things he's never shown us before, I'm telling you, ask the Lord to show you his treasure. Ask him to show you the hidden things. It's such joy in finding it, and there's so much more than what we know. So when it comes to worship, I thought, okay, um, where do I want to begin? How do I want to teach that? I feel like the Lord gave me a good strategy. So let me ask this question real quickly. I want you to be honest. Don't be religious. Listen to my question. What is your favorite genre of music? Don't tell me I love Handel's Messiah. What is your favorite genre of music? Tell me. No, not all at once. Todd, did you say 80s metal? Okay. <laughs> I did ask, and now I'm sorry that I, that I did. <laughs> Anybody else? Favorite genre? Indie rock? Okay, very good. Classic rock. What? Freebird. <laughs> People are getting their lighters out right now. <laughs> what else? Favorite genre? Country. Last night there was a, a country rebellion that happened in here, and uh, people were linking up. What else? What do you like? Bluegrass. Very good. Reggae. Very good. Breaking chain. What? I don't know what that is, and I'm afraid to repronounce it. But you look cool, so I bet it's good, dude. So I'm. What, there was one over here. What was it? Beach Boys. Beach Boys. 60s? Maybe 60s, 70s? What, what was the one over here? 
Hawaiian. Hawaiian. I, you guys have some weird stuff. I, I, I'm kidding. I, I, listen, I did this. I made a, um, a statement that I didn't realize how controversial it was at the time. I was kidding around kind of tongue-in-cheek. But I just stood up. It was several years ago. And I said, I said it like this. Everyone knows that 70s music is the best, right? <laughs> just, just did it like that. And you would have thought that what I did was take the Bible and spit on it or something. like Because I, my father-in-law, who's in his 80s, immediately came to me and said, everybody knows Elvis is the best, John. <laughs> Literally, I'm like, I mean, he's never bowed up like that. And then uh, Daniel's wife, our son Daniel, his wife Holly, our daughter-in-law, uh, her parents were here at that time, and um, he ran up to me. They're a little bit younger than Chris and I are, maybe, maybe I don't know, six or seven years. He ran up, and he said, no, John, everybody knows that 80s music is the best, right? And here, here's my opinion just real quickly about that. Uh, we all have our favorite genre that we connect to, and music is like a wormhole in that. It's one of those things that no matter how old you are, when you hear a song from your genre, it can take you back to that place in space and time, can't it? You're able to go back to, you know, I, I, I remember um, just listening. One of my favorite bands when I was a kid was Boston. And I can still hear more than a feeling today. And I'm 14 years old. <laughs> and I feel 14 for about 10 seconds or so. And then it goes away. Everyone has, listen, a musical bias. Everyone has one. And that doesn't mean that you don't like other music or that you can't enjoy other music. I like a lot of different kinds of music, but I have a bias, things that I'm comfortable with, things that I connected to, things that I enjoy. You agree with that statement? We all have a musical bias. And if that's true, then listen to this. We all then have a worship bias also. And so I look out. You're pastoring today for just a moment, right? You're standing up here and you're looking out at multiple generations from multiple places and you're trying to take everybody in a direction, recognizing that there's already biases set. And so here's what I felt like the Lord said, and I just feel like this is so true, and um, what he revealed to me. Whenever it was that you came into the kingdom, so let's say, um, let's say that, uh, so for me real quick, I came into the kingdom in the late 70s. That was my entrance into I, I found Jesus. However, I was born again. I, I gave my life to Christ. I opened the door. However you want to say, whatever your language is, right? That's when I came into the kingdom. And the impact of that time is that my heart was, it came alive. I got a new heart. I got a new life. The old life was gone and the new came and I connected. But at that time, Keith Green. There's a few who know. Most of you are like, was he a football player? What was a, who was that? I'll show you something in just a second. So maybe you came in uh, to a traditional church that had a hymnal. And you know that different churches that have hymnals have different hymnals too. You know there's not just one hymnal, right? That all have different styles of music. And so right at that time, in the late 70s, we uh, began to attend an Assembly of God church. And do you, the hymnal that we used, there was a piano player and a hymnal. That's what we had. No drums. No guitar, piano player. Because Jesus would have played a piano, right? That's, yeah. And so, um, anybody remember the song, Victory in Jesus? 
How many of you have never heard that song before? Be honest. Be honest. Don't be embarrassed. It's okay. You never. It's, I'm going. I'm trying to prove a point to you, right? So, uh, it, oh, victory in Jesus. Yeah, you know it. Okay. And so what they would do Sunday night was open mic Sunday night, <laughs> and so you could just yell out a song, and the piano player would play that song. And they would do Victory in Jesus like every Sunday night. And they'd do rendition after rendition after rendition after rendition of it. And I can still hear that song today. And as dated as the song sounds, it still has a place in my heart where I go back to this experience that I had with Jesus during that time. And the song brings me great joy. And so maybe you came into the kingdom and there is a a hymnal that you were using at the time, and there's very traditional music, and those hymns, when you hear them, they're so meaningful to you. They bring you back to a place in time where you connected with Jesus, and it's all part of something that's very holy and special to you. You agree with that statement? And then what we tend to think is that because that happened for me, that should happen for everybody, and so we get to a place where we think, if we could just get back to those songs... If we could just sing that song, then everything would turn around. Everything would be so good. And while I do agree that there's great power in it for you and there's a place in it, you know, some people have come into the kingdom in the last month. And they have no idea about those songs. And those songs don't have the same meaning to them that they have to you. They're connecting to Maverick music right now. Or Brandon Lake. Exactly right. And it's as meaningful to them as victory in Jesus is to you. Or the old rugged cross. And how do you, how do you get people to move in a direction to not just want the past, but be willing to embrace what God's doing today? Right, so let me give you a good example here. Um, I'm 15. And... Uh, I think I was an average 15-year-old. I don't think I was um, like, like a, a super spiritual mom. I was not super spiritual at 15, was I? Mom, I don't need a long... No, don't. Just, just the no was... No, very good. There we go. All right. How many of you have a mom that you can just do no wrong? She's like, well, you weren't, but... I could see the mark of God on your life at that time, and I knew. Uh, so at 15, I think I was just like a, an average 15. I was very interested in girls. Yep. <laughs> Holy smokes, man. What are you like? Uh, uh, <laughs> super interested in girls. I was interested in cars. I, I was about to get my driver's license. I was very excited about that. was excited about sports. Yeah. was not excited about school. Ready for summer? It's all the things that a 15-year-old is doing, right? And then this remarkable thing happened to me when I was 15, and I don't know why it happened. I look back now and I think, how did it happen? But it had to be God doing something in my heart. In the middle of the night, I literally asked the Lord this question, what do you want me to do with my life? And there was no great reason to ask that question, other than I just literally, what do you want me to do with my life? I got up, I found a Bible, and I played Bible roulette. Now, I'm not saying that the best way to study the Bible is Bible roulette. And in fact, you shouldn't wake up tomorrow and go, well, it worked for Pastor John. Let's see what happens. Boom. Okay. That's not the way to study the Bible. But can you agree with this? That God can use anything at any time to get your attention. Do you agree with that statement? 
So I'm not saying it's the preferred method. It's not systematic. It's not deep. But it's a one-shot thing that I think the Lord... So I open the Bible, Luke chapter 4, verse 18, and it reads this way. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to preach good news, to set at liberty the captive, to heal the brokenhearted, to open the eyes of the blind, and then listen to this last sentence, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, which is literally the year of Jubilee. Jesus is, he's reading the first time publicly, he's reading from Isaiah. And Isaiah is quoting Leviticus 25, which is the year of Jubilee. When I was 15, God put Jubilee in my heart and I didn't even know what today would look like. I didn't even know. I was excited. Here's what makes the Bible so different. I was trying to say this earlier. It's alive, it's active, it's not ink and paper. The Spirit of God breathes in it. And there's times that you open it and you read it and it feels just like ink and paper. But then there's times where the Spirit of God illuminates it suddenly and it it becomes a lie. It's like the Holy Spirit grabs you and pulls you. Look at this. I'm talking to you. And it wasn't violent. It wasn't, it was exciting. I really, it was the first time I really felt like God is talking to me. I'm hearing God speak to me. And so I jump up at 15. I wake my mom up. And my mom's like, go back to bed. No, she did not. She got up with me. And we talked about what that meant. And my uncle John, uh, within the next couple of weeks, took me to meet the preacher at the church. And I wanted to ask for advice. What do I do with this now? I feel like the Lord's, I'm going to be a preacher. I mean, how many 15-year-olds? Right? I mean, at some level, encourage a person's dream. Don't blow up. Your words, hey, this is for somebody. Your words... Are powerful. If you have any level of authority or influence in someone's life, you, you can blow it up or you can build it up very quickly. And some of you are walking with the scars of people who blew it up when you were a kid. It'll sidetrack you or it'll send you in a direction real quick. All right, so go to see the preacher and I sit down with him and I tell him like a 15 year ah, I asked the Lord what I should do. And I got my Bible and I found the scripture and I felt like the Lord spoke to me. You know what he told me? Uh, son, God doesn't speak that way. Oh, crushing. Crushing. Uh, what do you do with that? Now, I'm embarrassed and I feel ashamed. Keith Green, at that time, would have been the Brandon Lake. Okay? And so this song that I'm going to play for you, and there's a point to it. This song was the song that I held on to. So this is 1978, so listen to this real quickly. Very short. Turn it up, please, Chris. My eyes are dry My faith is old My heart is hard My prayers are cold And I know how I ought to be Alive to you And dead to me What can be done For an old heart like mine Soften it up with oil and wine. The oil is you, your spirit. 
blood Please wash me anew In the wine of your blood It's a time machine for me. I can go back to a time when all I had was a 15-year-old heart that was desperate for God. What a precious thing that is. We should do everything in the world we can to encourage that. Never discourage that. And I listen to it now. Even now, I listen to it and my heart just melts. What can be done for an old heart like mine? And I told the Lord, I remember praying, God, I'd rather die than have a heart that turns away from you. I'd rather anything in the world take it all away, but don't take that away from me. Let me hold on to that heart. So it's still very meaningful to me and to some of you, but now let me, and I want you to be very real about this. How many of you listen to that and you're just like, big deal? Be honest. It's okay. You're not unholy to admit. It's like, okay, good for you. What I'm trying to say is there are genres that we connect to, right? That are so meaningful to us, but they may not do it for somebody else. And we can't sit around and go, I wish I could go back to, what we all have to do is to say together, what can we go to? How do we move into what God is doing today? All right, so let me show you what the Lord showed me that I thought was so cool and I feel like it's a strategy. And I, again, it's scripture that I had read so many times, I never saw it in the light that I saw it. So I'm going to read it from two different gospels. It's the same words of Jesus but it's said a couple of different ways. So this is Mark 2.22. And Jesus, he's using an analogy. No one puts new wine into old what? For the wine would burst, the wine skins, and the wine and the skins would both be lost. New wine calls for? And so I've heard this message taught by very capable uh, people who love God, who love the Holy Spirit and who want, but they always teach that the priority is on the wine. So by the way, it's a, the Holy Spirit is the wine. He is different. He's the wind. He's the fire. He's the breath. And he's the new wine. And I've always heard it taught that the priority is on the new wine and the new wine alone. But if you look at Jesus' word, Jesus' priority is not simply on the new wine, but it's also on the new wine skins. The analogy is that the Holy Spirit is the new wine and the heart is either an old wine skin or a new wine skin. So we pray for outpouring and I think the Lord is saying unless the heart can handle the outpouring I can't do what you're asking because not only will it spill the wine but it will ruin the old wine skin. Do you see that? So let's read it out of Matthew uh, and it's just said a little bit different. No one puts new wine into old wineskins, for the old wineskins would burst from the pressure. Right when it begins to ferment, then there's the gases from it. And if, if the wineskin is not new and pliable, flexible, does it make sense? So when you first came to the kingdom and your heart was so open, another word would have been your heart was very flexible. It was very soft, it was very tender, very pliable. God could move in your heart very easily. When you prayed, I bet you heard the voice of the Lord very quickly. I bet that your faith was at an all-time high when you came into the kingdom. I bet that you found yourself easily when people would preach, instead of coming up with the reasons it couldn't work, you were like, it will work. I'm going to do it today. 
And you find yourself in a place where your heart is so tender and so flexible that you believe all things are possible. Ah. And then as we go through life, I use this analogy here in Colorado. When it snows and they throw that gravel on the road and you're driving around and you pick up the snow, you pull in your garage. Once the snow melts, what are you left with? A pile of gravel. Living life, you pick up stuff. And once you finally have a chance to stop and like, okay, where am I at? You have all this junk. And then every once in a while, the Holy Spirit's like, let's get rid of the junk. And let's soften up the heart. And let's get you in a place where you believe again and you receive again. And you're at a place where I can speak easy. Does this make any sense to you? See, I think it hits all of us. It. it doesn't matter if you grew up in church that was very formal and used a lot of liturgy. Or you grew up in a church that was very unformal and very low in its structure, or maybe you just now came to church. It doesn't matter where you're coming at, this place where your heart, this is relevant to all of us, regardless of your age, regardless of your background. God wants hearts. He doesn't want your money. That was a good place to say amen. <laughs> Listen to me, he wants your heart. You know why? Because if he has your heart, he has everything else that he wants. For old wineskins would burst from the pressure, spilling the wine and ruining the skins. Last sentence. New wine is stored in new wineskins. Look at this. So that both are. So does that tell you that God then has a priority on both things? Wouldn't it make sense that God would just not say, hey, look, uh, there's only a few of you that can do this. The rest of you, forget about it. Since as a pastor with a pastor's heart, I'm not really interested in a move of the Holy Spirit that only takes 10 people. I want a move of the Holy Spirit where our whole church can embrace it and find a new understanding, a new power, a new revelation, a new belief that God can do and is all that he said he is. Part of the reason that we exist is we believe you're here to discover and recover the promises of God. I believe that day has not arrived for you yet or me yet. There's still more to discover, still more to recover. And that the kingdom of God is much bigger than your present experience. And we get to that place where we think, ah, I'm kind of bored with You should never be bored. Boredom would be the proof that your heart is not pliable. Do you hear me? Hmm. Um. My daughter Katie helped me with a couple of illustrations here. Uh, Colorado people, you recognize what that is? Hot chocolate bag. <laughs> James, what do we call these? A ski bag, a boda bag. And um, you'd put the wine in it, right? And then, you know, while you were skiing, you could open an oven. And uh, one of my grandchildren asked me, Papa, are you going to put wine in it and drink it today? No, I'm not. That's not. What I'm doing. This is, uh, this is a brand new one, super flexible, super pliable, could hold a lot. Um, and I wished that I would have held on to, uh, I didn't have one, but James Reuter apparently had one. I wish I would have held on to his, and I, so I could show you what an old because what happens to it is it gets dry, and it gets hard, and it gets crusty. Any of you play baseball and had a baseball glove that you left out? I was trying to find mine, and I can't. I, I saw it recently, but I can't remember where it was. I was going through boxes. It, it's so old that it's all, it's, it's shriveled, and it's, it's withered. 
And I remember, I left it outside one time, and I remember that my dad said um, he got linseed oil, for those who remember. And you take the linseed oil and you begin to rub it on the leather, and you have to keep working the leather with the oil. Another word for the Holy Spirit is it's the oil. And it, you work it, you work it, and it'll take old leather and soften it back up. And so pliability is what you want so that the Lord can fill it. And if it's hard, the Lord doesn't curse that, but he has to get it soft in order to fill it. Does that make sense? Let me give you another illustration of this. And if you're just like, Pastor, um, why use the illustrations? Because Jesus did. And sometimes they just help people to understand how it works. Okay, now, uh, so what I asked Katie to do is to find me four nice glasses, and she did that. And then um, somewhere uh, right before the first service last night, um, I, apparently a fat angel knocked a glass off of here. Nobody knows how it happened. And, and so I called Chris, and I said, could you grab one of our good glasses? Okay, literally this came out of our... For those who remember, you've been here long enough, we did a series back in the day called Heroes. And uh, Pastor Terry printed these up and we gave it out. It was a summer series and we gave them out. That was probably 15 years ago or something like that. So here, this is some of our finer uh, drinking glasses. But it'll serve the purpose for what we're trying to do. Okay, so each of these different styles and the Lord wants to pour the wine, his spirit, into each of them. So let me give you a demonstration here. This one's kind of formal and is pretty, and maybe that's what you came from. Maybe you're a very dignified person. Maybe you're a very formal person. Maybe you are manners, and you know protocol, and you get how things are supposed to work between people. And so uh, on the outside, you look very formal. So the shape is different, but what goes into the shape is the same thing. And so this being dignified can still hold a fresh outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Um, and then maybe, um, maybe you're a little weird. <laughs> maybe it's hard to pigeonhole you, right? Like, you know, this part looks normal, but then you got this, like, mm, I'm never giving that up. And so you're, maybe you're just a little bit, and so maybe the shape looks a little bit different, and maybe you're just, you march to the beat of a different drummer. But what goes into it is the same. So even this person could have the same experience as this person. And what makes them the same and unique is not the way they look on the outside, but what's going on on the inside. Ah. So maybe, um, <laughs> Maybe you're blue collar. <laughs> Maybe you have sworn I will never wear a tie. <laughs> huh? They will not bury me in a suit. I'm going out. Well, and so maybe that's you. But even as casual and as comfortable, what goes inside of it is the same. So this person and this person and this person could all 
have the same Holy Spirit at work inside of their lives. And then maybe just, I don't know what we decided, maybe just normal. Maybe you're just average. Maybe you don't consider yourself to be, I'm just average. But could not an average person and a blue-collar person both have a supernatural experience so that it doesn't have to all look like this and it doesn't have to all look like this, but it could all be this beautiful diversity of different backgrounds, different ages, different people, different experiences, but the same Holy Spirit pulling us all together in something that when we look back at it, the, the new time machine becomes, oh, it was December the, or January the 8th of 23 that my heart goes back to where the Holy Spirit began to move in me in a whole new way. Yes. Anybody want that? Yes. Do you want it? Yes. So, I mean, I think a priority of this has to be that at least you say I'm open to it then. Now, the Holy Spirit is a gentleman, and if you say no to it, he will not. He will not pour this into you if you say no. He will not hold you down and, oh, you're going to take it. (laughs) Doesn't work that way. Sorry for the... Yeah. I got all these different things up here. So I believe that in order to see an outpouring, we've got to have new wineskins that can contain the outpouring. And so I find myself, man, over the last, I don't know, year, heavily fasting and praying, God, I want to see an outpouring. God, here's the way that I phrased it to you. I want God to do something that if you hadn't been there, you wouldn't believe it unless you saw it yourself. And I felt like the Lord said, okay, then let me show you something. Through these prayers and getting my heart in this particular place, I felt like the Lord said, let me show you something. The wineskin has to be prepared before I can pour out the wine. Proverbs 4.23. Look at this real quickly. Read it with me. One, two, three. Guard your heart above all else for it determines the course of your life. So what that is telling us is that from your heart comes your life story. So now this is gonna sound like a little bit hard, but I don't mean it hard. I mean it as a pastor trying to tell you the truth, and if it provokes you a little bit, then let it provoke you a little bit. And if it encourages, then let it encourage you. And if it pushes you, let it push you. And if you rejoice, then rejoice. But let the word have its effect. The life you're living right now is coming from the condition of your heart. And if you look at this world and you are so afraid, then fear is in your heart. And if you look at your situation and you feel so hopeless, then it's not faith that's in your heart, but it's unbelief that's entered your heart. And if you're weighed down with anxiety and you find yourself unable to rejoice and to laugh and to celebrate... That's the heaviness of the world. Jesus said, it's the cares of the world. That's what he called it. That come in and choke, literally choke. So your passport stamped heaven. This is not a heaven and hell issue. But in a way, it's a heaven and hell issue on this earth. You'll live like God's brought heaven to earth, or you'll live like I'm still trying to fight through hell. 
And this is why believers who love God but never protect their heart and get their heart in the right place can live for 20 or 30 years. Everybody else around you seems to be growing and moving and it's so easy to worship and you find yourself, I, I, I don't like that. Why? And so the Lord has to have an opportunity then to move. And you know what we pray? Listen to this. That scripture in Proverbs 4.23 says, above all else, guard your heart. Here's what we pray. God, would you please guard my heart? And God will tell you, you guard your heart. I do not stand as a goalie in front of your heart to block or to let in. You get to decide that. Um, for me, over the last two weeks, I just felt like coming into this new year, I, I'm not going to just pray about it. I'm going to have revival in my life. Like, I can't do anything about it except make a decision. This is where my heart is going. God, you got to do this, but this is what I want. So that Keith Green song, Chris is so sick of that song right now. That song, I only played you half of it. One minute and 20, it's actually uh, two minutes and I think it's 40 seconds or something like that. And I have it on repeat. <laughs> and I'm just soaking in this song over. And what can be done with an old heart like mine? Soften it up with oil and wine. The oil is you, your spirit and love. Wash me anew in the wine of your blood. Over and over and over. And it is not through repetition that anything happens, but it is through the soaking of the Holy Spirit that a softening begins to occur. So much so that I'll take a chance and sing in front of you. Don't lie to me, I know. <laughs> Luke 6.45. Jesus again. A good person produces good things from the treasury of a good And an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of a evil heart. What you say flows from what's in your heart. Want to know where your heart is? Listen to your conversation. Now, here's the condemnation that comes because all of us, you get up and you're doing something and the lights are off and you stub your toe. Bam! And then you say something. <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, for the... I didn't want that toenail anyway. I... <laughs> so then we think, uh, and I know nobody, but the Saturday night people struggle with this, right? So I know this is probably not a good illustration for you. What's that? So you stub your toe and then that thing comes out of your mouth and you, you're like, is that what's in my heart? No. That's what was in your toe. Yeah. <laughs> It's the abundance that you're speaking. So what are you speaking? What is, are you speaking life? Are you speaking God is moving in my life? I want God to move in my life. I'm so excited about what God is go, doing, going to do. Are you talking that way? From the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Or are you just in survival mode? God, it just never seems to change. It's just getting worse. I just, I, do, do you hear what I'm saying? So what's coming out of your heart right now? Because it, it is a, it, it's a condition of what's going on in your heart. And it's simple too, right? This is not complicated. This is very simple. The gospel is not complicated. It's very simple. It, it, it's a workable thing. Old Testament, Queen Esther. Esther was a remarkable person who God brought 
to the forefront for a particular time and place to save the Jewish nation. There was a king who got mad at his queen because she wouldn't come to see him when he wanted. And so he decided, I need a new queen. And he banishes the current. So they go on a search. And one of the, they find a bunch of different beautiful women, but one, one is, has a natural beautiy that is it, it separated her, but it was what also was inside of her that made her stand out. But listen to this. She prepared for one full year before she was ever introduced to the king. One full year. And six months of that year, she soaked in oil. Right, listen, just listen. In that climate, it is so dry, right? And the skin gets hard and it gets cakey and the average person hadn't the means. Oil would have been a luxury. And so Esther soaks every day. She goes, it's beauty treatments is what it is ultimately. And every day she soaks for six months in the oil. And then when she's presented to the king, the king goes, you're the one. My point, why that story's in there? Sometimes you need to soak in oil so that the king can do what he wants to do in your life. Now here's the thing. I just think we're supposed to prepare our hearts. As much as I want to move into talking about what worship is and what God wants to do, I just think what God is saying is prepare your hearts right now. Prepare your hearts so that this is an easy transition. And I know some of you are thinking like, Pastor, what, I mean, what are you trying to do? What do you want? Is it going to be some weird thing? Is it going to be some crazy? Come on. I don't think that that's God. I do think, though, that there are things that God wants to do with us that you don't know about. I think there are new things, not things that he wants to harm you, but things that are good for your future to give you a hope and put you in a situation that you've never known where your heart is so tender and so full again that you are so excited about God, not excited about church necessarily or about a building. The glory of Jubilee is not a new building. The glory of Jubilee is what God wants to do inside the building with the people. Our hope is not this. Our hope is this. And I feel like the Lord is saying, prepare your heart. Open your heart. Prepare your heart. Now, I know from my personal experience, I, David and I were on staff at a church in northern Colorado where God showed up so powerfully in worship. And he moved. That church was known for the worship. So much so that the worship pastor began a thing called Praise in the Park. And he involved all these other life-giving churches and he put together a band made up of all the different worship pastors and the volunteers and the staff that they had. And then we'd rent a park. We'd have 10, 15, 20,000 people come out. And it moved around northern. It got to where businesses were paying to have their name associated with what God was doing. It was simply called Praise in the Park. And Tom Ewing. I've had Tom here. Tom and I were on staff together. And I, I, I've asked Tom multiple times, Tom, what about doing a praise in the park down in Denver? And he said, John, it was a thing that God was doing 
in the early 2000s. But I'm not hearing him say to do that right now. And so we can go and try to make all that happen and spend all of that money. But unless the Lord builds the house, we labor in vain when we try to build it, right? We go back, we want this, oh, just, if we could just get back. No, we've got to start asking, what do you want to do? Now? There are things he wants to do with us that will make praise in the park look like a covered wagon compared to a rocket ship. Do you understand what I'm saying? And so maybe you're hearing that and you're just like, I don't even know what you're talking about. Are you willing to at least go there with me? Yes. Are you willing to say, at least, God, if you've got more, I want more? So what's, what's the more? Jesus said, these things and greater, more will you do. The sick will be healed. Amen. Who's against that? No, no, I, yeah. nobody's against it, right? The demonic will be confronted and knocked backwards. Amen. Who's against that? The kingdom of God moves forward rapidly. We want that. People caught in chains and in bondage can be set free. Addictions can be healed. Marriages can be restored. Families can be put back together. Look at me. This isn't wishful thinking. I'm not fooling myself. This is the kingdom of God. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth like it is in heaven. What goes on in heaven today? The devil does not run free in heaven. God's will is done. And that's what we're praying for. Come to this earth. How do we see that happen? When we allow the Holy Spirit to pour into us because our hearts are ready, all things are possible. Amen. And I'm going to say it one more time. I'm not interested in taking five people with me. It's just not, there's no bravado in that. Well, the five of us are more spiritual than everybody else. That's the stupidest thing I ever heard of. I, give me a church that's hungry for God. And that's what we're praying. Okay, so this thing, here, here's, I, I, I know it's impromptu. I know you're going to be like, I wasn't ready. Uh, but you said you want to go there. Well, I need more preparation time. I'm giving you a few minutes. <laughs> so here it is. Starting Tuesday... I'm calling a fast. And if you're like, I, I need three weeks to figure that. No, you do not. You need to ask the Lord if you're supposed to participate in it. No, Pastor, I, I'm just not good at fasting. How do you know? Jesus said when you fast, not if you fast. When you fast. So I'm going to go Tuesday to the following Sunday. I would start it on Monday, but there's a football game Monday night that I want to watch. <laughs> I'm just going to be practical about this. And I know I'll end up saying, God, forgive me. I ate on the... So I'm going to start on Tuesday. Go to Sunday. And I, here's what I'm going to do. Media has a huge hold on me at times. Anybody? So I'm turning media off. And I'm going to fast some food. And what you do when you fast, you're turning your flesh from this... And you're pointing yourself towards God. So you deny the flesh so that the spirit. And I'm going to soak in worship. And I'm going to spend some time in prayer. And I know what you're going to say. I don't have time for it. You prioritize what you have time for in your life. That's just, that's, let's just be honest about it. You will prioritize what you have time for. What's important to you? Mm. It's 11.23. If I go to 11.30... Are we cool? 
My wife says, don't say that, but I, I'm cognizant of taking too much. If, if I, seven more minutes? Okay. I actually get 30 seconds because you took you that long to agree with. So, uh, so Thursday, impromptu. I'm going to be here to pray and worship Thursday at 7 o'clock p.m. And if you want to be here with me, come on. What's that going to be like? We're going to pray and we're going to worship. And just seek God's face. Because unless the church calls out to the Lord, nothing is going to happen. Um, this interesting thing, uh, Jim Cimbala, Brooklyn Tabernacle. Reading anybody, maybe you don't even know. Church up in New York. Was, his story is that he took it over. It was pathetic. It was five or ten people. It was so discouraging. He got up to preach and it, he actually laid his head on the pulpit and just wept. And just asked, could you, somebody come up here and pray for me because I just don't have it anymore. And the church came up and began to call on God. And the weirdest thing happened. Not overnight. The Lord began to do something. And he said, out of that, there was an evangelist that was visiting. From, he said from either Australia or New Zealand. He said, I didn't even know the guy. He said, but I invited him to say a few words because he was visiting from out of the country. And the guy stood up. And this is all he said. If you want to know how popular the pastor is, see how many people are there on Sunday. If you want to know how popular the evangelist is, See how many are there on Sunday night. And if you want to know how popular Jesus is in your church, see how many people come to prayer. Ow. I'm, that's not condemnation. There is no condemnation. Yeah, now you're coming, huh? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I just thought, guys, somewhere with all the modern techniques and benefits and blessings, it's still the main thing is still the main thing. Yeah. Amen. It, it will never get away from that. And so maybe just like, oh, Pastor, I don't like praying because your heart is not in the place it should be. It's my job to say that. I love you. I'm your pastor. I love you. I'm not cursing you. I'm not hurting you. I love you. I tend your soul. That's my job, to tend your soul. Worship is boring because you're not experiencing God. If you just played that old song, maybe I will. Maybe I just will. But you won't know if you're not here. But it's really just church. Can we all, regardless of your background, can we agree that the thing that's going to link us together, our common denominator is going to be that we love Jesus. We love Jesus, and we want to move forward in that. Doug, we want to move forward in that. Okay, so that's what I'm asking for. And I know some schedules are set. Some people work. It may not be possible. No condemnation. It's impromptu. If you can, then join me. And do it from your home if you can't. But would you consider what I'm saying? Would you maybe fast this night? And what are we fasting for? Listen to me. You're fasting over your heart. You're praying over your heart. You're soaking your heart. Lord, soften my heart. And if your heart's super soft, then just say, God, expand my heart. Put me in that place. Okay, I'm done. Um, Pastor JJ has this song, and I don't want you to stand for it. I want you to sit. 
and I want you to soak. Um, throw Hosea. It's 11.28. I have two minutes. Throw Hosea up there real quick. Hosea 10.12. Plant the good seeds of righteousness and you will have a crop of love. Look at this sentence. Plow up the hard ground of your... One more time. Plow up the hard ground of your... For now is the time to seek the Lord that he may come and shower righteousness upon you. Anybody else want that? So here's an instruction. Whenever we ask God for something, generally he'll give an instruction to see what you do. You really want that? Okay. Do this. Plow up your heart so that I can come and plant something in it. So I want you to sit, listen to the song. It's an older song. And then when it's done, uh, I'll dismiss you. If you're new, go to first five. And we can answer any question, give you a gift. If you're interested in growing spiritually this year, that perspectives class that Jonathan talked about, the table will be set out there. You can stop and talk to them and ask them when it is and get some information. If you have some time this morning, then I told Jay just to worship. And if you want to come and use the altar, the altars are wide open. And if you want to sit in your chair, you want to stand, you can do that. If you need to go, I get it. No condemnation. You can go as soon as he sings through the first song. But if you want to stay for a little while and just worship the Lord, if you want to kneel, if you want to lay on your face, if you want to pray with someone, let's just take the chance while we have the moment. Good? deeper within to the way things appear you're looking into my heart I'm coming back to the heart of worship and it's all about you it's all about you Jesus I'm sorry Lord for the thing I've when it's all about you, it's all about you, Jesus. 
King of endless worth No one could express How much you deserve And though I'm weak and poor All I have is yours Every single breath I'll bring you more than a song for a song in itself Isn't that what you have required? You search much deeper within Through the way things appear You're looking into my heart Come on I'm coming back to the heart of worship When it's all about it's all about you, Jesus I'm sorry, Lord, for the thing I've made this When it's all about you It's all about you, sing again I'm coming back to the heart of worship And it's all about you It's all about you Sorry, Lord, for the things I've made this song.
song in my mouth I'll put a new song in my mouth Just to praise you